Hi, Country Pals. It's Mel and Kim here. Hello. And <laughs> we have got some exciting news that we've got a new podcast. We want you to hopefully have a listen to our very first episode in which we covered Mel, a movie that you're very familiar with. Oh my gosh, yeah. I just, I've based my whole personality around it, Kim. It's beaches. It's, a, <laughs> it's an absolute cracker. You got it, Kim. Um, oh, Kim, fantastic. Please, can you, believe me, you'll want to hear Kim doing the singing in this intro, not me. God, no. You're about, no, you're about to hear a lot of me singing. All right, so have a listen and hopefully you enjoy and head on over to Weepies on your podcast platform. It's up there on all of the platforms now. Um, make sure you subscribe. We'd love for you to listen. And if you want to chat to us um, because we want to keep chatting to you, we've got a Facebook group. Uh, it's called Weepies Community, and it's just a place where you can post. You don't just have to read our posts. You can actually post what your favourite Weepy is and have some discussion with other people who love to talk about Weepies there. Hope you enjoy it. Bye. Well, hello and welcome to the very first episode of Weepies. I'm Melanie Tate and my friend Kim Lester is with me. And Kim, I want to say from the outset, I would never, ever tell you that your lipstick makes you look like a corpse. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. (laughs) If you don't know us from our other podcast, a country podcast, Mel is a playwright and podcaster and I'm a podcast producer. We became friends working together in the radio business and we bonded over our shared love of podcasts, show tunes, smart comedies and sappy movies. We sure have. And that's what we're going to talk about here. The movies mm. that really make us like ugly cry, the ones that yes. we watch over and over again and that we get like 15 minutes into and we're like, it's not going to make me cry this time. I'm fine. And then <laughs> we're not. Okay. So what's what's on your list? So I'm going to name yep. three. Okay. You name yours. Okay. My Girl. Yeah. Good one. About Time. Oh, yes. Dead Poet Society. Oh, classics. Look, I'm yep. going gonna, gonna to stick with the Robin Williams genre there and go with Good Morning Vietnam for one. Oh. Uh, I'm going to also go with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is another massive weep wanos for me. Um, and, gosh, about time as well. I just yes. can never get past that scene. Oh, let's not, we're going to do an episode yeah, on that. We'll do it. We will. We'll we will. absolutely do it. And there's a very obvious omission. If you haven't, you know, already read the title of this podcast episode, <laughs> why haven't they mentioned beaches? Well, because you can't do a tearjerker podcast without starting with beaches. It's the tearjerker to end all tearjerkers. It's the ultimate weepy. It is the yeah. absolute ultimate weepy. Kim, what's your history with beaches? Because if you're a woman of a certain age, you've got a history with beaches. I certainly am. I loved this movie when I was, I don't know, I guess from maybe 10 to 15. I don't know. I can't remember when I stopped watching it, but I used to love it. And it it is ingrained in my brain. Mm. You know, like when I rewatched it, every little sound and inflection was Mm. familiar to me. I remember being homesick with a cold one day and watching it and crying and my sister came in and she's like, why are you watching a sad movie when you've got a cold? (laughs) And I thought, you just don't get it. (laughs) You just don't get it. don't get it. It's a funny movie, isn't it? You know, I feel, Kim, like I've been waiting my entire life for this moment. (laughs) That my whole life is – this movie, I I think that this movie not only like I watched it Eight, like I'm sure I'm not even kidding you I think I've seen this movie 
at least 250 times. I'm not wow. even kidding. Like, because if, if I've been watching it since I was 10 years old mm-hmm. and I'm now 41, I watch it at least once a year as an adult. But as a child, I used to watch it over and over again. I knew every word to every song. I even based my personality a bit on CC Blooms. I think I wanted to be CC Bloom. I do see, I do see shades of you in CC <laughs> in the best Bloom. possible way. Ta-da! Because... As, as we will discuss, <laughs> Cece is just the greatest character ever. She's the best. And I She's found, wonderful. I found this viewing of it, um, I really loved and appreciated her in a way that I hadn't before. That's yeah. what's so great about going back to these movies, yeah. you know, and, and actually casting a bit of a critical eye on it because mm. have you ever watched Beaches for anything but the enjoyment of it or to cry or anything like that? Have you ever watched it from a critical point of view? No, and this is only the second time I've watched it as an adult. I stumbled across it on telly a few years ago and I was halfway through and I was like, oh, oh, this actually kind of holds up. I thought this would be really cringy. I thought I'd feel so embarrassed about how much I loved it as a kid, but I was really surprised at how Mm. smart the writing was actually, which it does not have that reputation. No, which is really unfair, which which mm. has probably got a lot to do with the fact that it's a movie for women about women, which I'm sure we'll talk about yes. um, throughout this. Do you remember the first time you saw it, Kim? I don't. I really don't remember. It came out in 88 and I don't know if I would have seen it when I was eight. Maybe I would have, but um, I definitely saw it plenty mm-hmm. when I was, you know. When it was on video. between 10 and 15. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, I remember seeing it with my second best friend who mm-hmm. is now an anti-vaxxer. It's just another story for another day. <laughs> Did you ever tell her that her lipstick made her look like a corpse? Never, but we had a very we, – we used to feel like our, that was our relationship. A bit. Right. And we were only second best friends because I think I had a revolving door of first best friends and her first mm-hmm. best friend was her dog. And so, <laughs> like, famously. Anyway, we, we already were obsessed with the soundtrack and I don't yep. think we saw it until we were about 10. And I don't know why it would still be in the cinema two years later, but we saw it at Barrel Empire Cinema. Well, that's why, because it was Barrel. Maybe, yeah. And so <laughs> we were so overwhelmed by how wonderful it was. And I became so obsessed with it, Kim, that when it was on video, I used to sit with the video and my notepad and I would pause it and write all the lines. So I know every oh, single line in the movie. Really? Every single line. I would write it out in my notebook and then on the bus to school the next day, my second best friend, who I won't name because I just called her an anti well, she is an anti-vaxxer. She's proud of it. So um, the the uh, I am not an anti-vaxxer. I'd just like to point out quite <laughs> quite clearly. Um, triple on the, Yes, <laughs> I'm triple vaxxed. Um, and I, we would on the on the bus to school because our bus to school was like an hour and a half. We would sit and do the lines backwards and forwards to each wow. other. Yeah, so we both so could know it very well. Could you recite? Let's skip the flashback bit from the start. Could you recite the first scene of the the movie of them meeting each other on the beach? Yeah, if I got a if if you gave me one line, I could go from there. But I was hoping you'd ask me the beginning. Oh, okay, let's do because, the beginning. Let's do the beginning. The beginning is just oh, the sun beats oh, down. Yeah, well, that's just a song. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I've taken the liberty, Kim, of showing you how well I know the lines. I was jealous. I was jealous. (laughs) I was so jealous of you I couldn't see straight. You did did everything. You said you were going to do everything. And this talent, this incredible talent, I can't. 
can't even yodel. Hillary. <laughs> What's yodeling got to do with it? Right, I think yodeling have oh to do with God. it. What does you? I think we've got. I've got. I think we've got the You're picture. Beautiful. But I could play a part in this film, Kim. Probably you not could. very well, but I know every single every single line of it because I've written it by hand. Every single. Amazing. I didn't realize you could get screenplays and just read it. I well, wrote the pro- whole yeah. thing out by hand. The this whole- was all pre pre internet. <laughs> what was the setting for this rewatch? How did you? prepare yourself for this viewing look Kim I'm gonna be real with you about beaches Mm -hmm. I watch I've seen beaches so many times I don't presume to think it's gonna make me cry anymore I know what's gonna happen I know where it's gonna go so I wasn't like set up you know in bed with tissues or anything like that I just Mm -hmm. was in bed with my dogs thinking oh here we go I'm putting on my favorite pair of old slippers again Mm. I will sit and recite this movie and sing all the songs. I wasn't putting myself into a space of teariness. Did you sing all it. the songs? Of course. Again, <laughs> like just name a song and I've got them all. Um, what about you? Well, I made sure that the family wasn't going to be coming home because I did. There's nothing worse than watching a watching a weepy movie yeah. and gearing yourself up for the weepy bit, and then like the kids walk in you know, five yeah. minutes before it starts to get weepy and then you just, you, you know, it ruins it. Well, do you ruins feel, the moment. Do you feel like a dickhead or do they just ruin like they, do it? They it just ruin ruins the tears? it for me, you know, it mm. ruins the tears. And I'm actually, <laughs> I'm getting a bit colder in my old age. Like I'm, I cry a lot less now than wow. I used to. I used to cry so easily. What is that about? Because I'm the I opposite. Know. I cried everything. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, part of it is that I'm medicated, so, <laughs> you know, that helps. <laughs> But also I think I used to cry about confrontation and now because I have a 10 and a six-year-old, I just am faced with confrontations all the time and so I think I'm just used to them now. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I was home alone, uh, watched it on the couch with the dog to pat every so often anytime I needed and, yeah, it absolutely got me. It got you? I was ugly crying. Let's do a bit of a recap. Mm-hmm. So it begins, as you said, with Bette Midler at a- Bette Midler? Um, it's C.C. Bloom. Oh, no, C. C. no, no. Bloom. I mean, yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm- you need to recap this. How about you do this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to screw this up all the way through. I'm going to as well. All right. So the film starts with C.C. Bloom completely in her power, played by Bette Midler. She's at the Hollywood Bowl and she's rehearsing a big concert Oh, the sun beats down. We might even have a bit of music. (laughs) And it's gorgeous. She's setting us up for the whole movie by singing Under the Boardwalk, basically. Mm. Then she gets a message and suddenly we don't know what's happened, but she goes into action station. She's like, Diana, get me my coat. Get me my coat and my bag. Diana. We don't know who Diana is. We never see her again. But uh, then (laughs) Cece Bloom ends up in a car driving in the rain and her memories take over and her memories take her back to a boardwalk in Atlantic City when she meets this little girl, Hillary Whitney, under the boardwalk and mm. that's where we kick off. What do you think of the um, the flashback device? I love it in this film actually. Do you? I don't think that it's – I don't – like, you know, I, I think that if the film was made today it, it probably wouldn't have it and mm. I think also if it was any other actor but – Bette Midler, it would be so indulgent. But actually we do want to see, we want the songs. We want to see Bette Midler. We want to know that CC Bloom's okay. You know, like uh, from the very beginning of the film, we know that this is a superstar and we're going yeah. to get her backstory and that's what's part of the glory of this film. Yeah, what okay. do you think? Uh, I, I, 
I forget that it's there. Like when I watched yeah, it me too. this time, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forget that it doesn't start on the beach with the two girls. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like you could take the whole thing out and you could put that under the boardwalk number later in the movie and have her get the message and, and drive to San Francisco. But I think what I do appreciate about the flashbacks, though, is that they're actually, it's not, it's not OTT. We just kind of occasionally flash yeah. back to her driving and then we very much stay in the yeah. story uh, for most of it. So we get, yeah, so we see the girls become fast friends. Hillary's lost and Cece helps her find her hotel. But before that, she takes her to an audition where she sings, you don't know. You got to give sing. a little, take a little, and that's your poor heart. You know, she sings the glory of love like, a, yes. like an 11-year-old. Yes, and Hillary is the daughter of a rich widower from San Francisco and Cece is a Jewish kid from the Bronx who wants nothing but to be an absolute megastar. They promise to write to each other because this is the 1950s and there's no internet or Mm 24-hour children's television to distract (laughs) them, so they're able to keep in touch. You actually see the moment that Hillary falls in love with Cece as well. Mm. Like when when they're singing, like they have this lovely little meet-cute under the um, boardwalk, but when Hillary sees her sing for the first time in fact when we all see her sing for the first time we all fall in love we all know this is a special person and we're about to watch their personal special journey don't you think Hillary falls in love with her then like with with the and it's just so adorable and you just know that they're going to be friends and they sort of teach each other we also know as well there's this beautiful little scene where they go to get um they go to get milkshakes or something in, Mm -hmm. in the in a place and Cece's like, oh, my God, we're going to get chucked out of here. She's like, no, we're not. We're, my father's rich, you know, and she sort yeah. of um, – Hillary does this thing where she orders with confidence and teaches Cece something. So they're both yeah. they're both so different but complementary and I think that we get that from that very first scene. Isn't Mayim Bialik just a genius bit of casting for this movie? Absolutely brilliant. But you know what I found out in researching what? this, that she doesn't do the singing. Really? Well, yeah. that is an amazing. That's a strong voice. That's a powerful yeah. voice. Yeah, and this. But I never knew that. And it looks like no. she's a bloody good mimer, isn't she? But apparently, yeah. Bette Midler wasn't happy with Mayim's voice, and so they got somebody uh. else in, um, who was more like Bette Midler as a kid. But she looks so much perfect. Like her. Absolute yeah. perfect casting. Yeah. All right. So we fast forward to the 1970s. Hillary is a law grad who feels trapped in her waspy family legacy and Cece is struggling to find her big break on Broadway. They meet again when Hillary flees her life to practice justice law in New York City. And I'm an attorney with the ACLU. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They spend the next few years as housemates and best friends. Cece finally gets the lead in an off-Broadway show and she secretly loves her director, who's played by John heard uh that you know neglectful father from home alone um (laughs) (laughs) who's absolutely at fault for home alone too uh but he likes hillary and because hillary is the worst the worst she sleeps with him (sighs) the friends fight but they also kind of make up and hillary has to go back to san francisco to care for her dying father so they are separated once again okay so kim we're 41 now right yeah And I feel like the transgression of uh, Hillary banging the director is a lot worse when you're in your 20s than it is when you're, you know, when you're in your 40s. Okay. Uh, Because Cece and the director weren't together 
He was no, into he was into Hillary from the second he saw her because he's a yes. basic dude and yeah. Hillary's the beautiful one. Like really, today as a forty-one-year-old, I go, well, that's fair play. That's just what that's what happens. Really, but in your twenties, that is the worst thing that you can do to a friend. The absolute worst. But I think it gets worse too because if you think about what their friendship was like, they were basically sharing a room. They had they were basically in a double bed when you think about it, mm, just with a partition yes. between them. Yeah. But they sat up every night talking. There is no way C.C. Balloom wouldn't have been going home every night and talking about how amazing he was, how much yeah. in love with him she was, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then Hillary goes off with him at the party. Like, if that. That's yeah. bad. That's bad, no. bad form. It's just like the first of many times Hillary is a shit friend to Cece. How many, do you think Cece would ever do that to Hillary? No, I don't think Cece would. And I think that Cece is kind of played as the attention seeking, mm-hmm. you know, um, narcissist. Narcissist and hard work, high maintenance friend. Yeah. But actually, Hillary, she's a, Cece is a wonderful friend, even just the way that she kind of says, when Hillary says, do you want me to move out? And she's like, no, I'm used to you. And mm. she sort of just gets herself there, even mm. though it's a really hard thing to forgive. She knows that the friendship is more important yes. than this petty fight over a man. Yeah. And so she will get there. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes a lot more for Hillary to ever get there, which we will get to Yes, in time, doesn't it? Indeed, um, indeed. So... I just want to also say before we move on, I love this part of the movie. I just, I don't, look, I I didn't, you know, I've never lived in New York in the 80s, mm-hmm. in the, what is it, the 70s, but it just seems so authentic, don't yeah. you think? It's so edgy. Yeah. It's not at all the sappy movie that Beaches is kind of um, marketed mm-hmm. as. And it's not Woody Allen's New York or one of those sort no. of upper crust. It looks like probably what New York looked like in the 70s and 80s. There's a yeah. grit to it. I mean, there's a homeless woman that lives out the front of their flat. Yep. They can't ever get the heat up. You know, send the heat yes. up, punks. Do yep. you see that? Do you say that in your own life? My sister and I say it all the time when we're cold. <laughs> I have nobody to say. Actually, I probably could say some beaches stuff to my sister, <laughs> one of my sisters, but um, we haven't. I'm going to start it. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. It really it looks like what New York must have actually looked like as opposed to, you know, the beautiful version that we get in, say, the films of Woody Allen. Well, it's realistic that a struggling actress, wannabe Broadway star, doesn't live in, you mm. know, an upper Manhattan loft, you know. She lives yeah, way downtown <laughs> yeah. in, you know, a, a, you know, in a, in a tiny flat. little apartment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With, yeah. with um, dying houseplants. It's, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really, it's really gorgeous. And it also shows the financial struggle that she goes through because she's got all those crappy little jobs everywhere. Yeah. And it's really. Um, this is your bunny boy moment. Yeah. You know. oh, do I get to do it? No. I yeah. think people are over me singing the songs already. Sure. What? Happy, happy birthday, bunny boy. <laughs> Could never get funny over that. With a bunny boy. It's so great, isn't it? It's so great, that bit. I Everything love that about, like, the whole. This movie has nothing wasted in it. There's not a wasted yeah. scene that no. doesn't mean something. You know, it every scene propels the action forward. It does. It's and wonderful. it tells the story in a real show don't tell Absolutely. kind of way, don't you think? Yeah, but it, even mm, sorry. Even just like there was this moment that uh, so much went over my head when I was 10. So mm-hmm. much that I just not even, you know, 
sex stuff or anything like that, just so much. Like where she's, they're writing to each other and they, they've had a falling out and mm-hmm. Cece is trying to get her back and she's like, I'm your only ethnic friend. <laughs> and that just never made sense to me <laughs> until I was, you know, an adult and understood yeah. the dyna- dynamics of a San Francisco wasp and a Jewish girl from yeah. the Bronx, you it's know. A, it's a really... It's so, and just on those letters, how the letters keep propelling the story forward too. Yeah. So we find we we lose years in those letters by just one or two lines. Well, let's keep going. So the next part yeah. of the movie, they're back to writing letters. Cece finally gets her big break, um, doing a sleazy Broadway review called Sizzle, which Hillary sees as selling out. Like, shut up, Hillary! Like, shut oh. up. Oh, Hillary Mary, marries fellow wasp with good breeding. F good breeding. She as actually well. uses she the line good, good breeding. breeding. Yeah, she doesn't have the guts to flee her life. No, I can't stand. You know, she wants to escape that suffocation, but she does not. She doesn't. She doesn't at all. She's so uptight. She is so Protestant, as we've discussed before on a country (laughs) podcast. Um, The next time the women meet, they no longer understand each other, or there's a lot of. I think I don't know whether that's entirely true. I just think there's a lot of. there's a lot of uh, uh, walls being built by Hillary against uh, Cece because she's so jealous. Um, Hillary yeah. is really cruel. They have a big, big fight. And once again, Cece tries to mend the friendship by writing and Hillary returns the letter, doesn't even just not write back. No. She has them sent back and ghosts her for what I she think ghosts her. might be a few years even. It does seem that way. Cece Bloom is living the life that she always set out to do. And how dare a rich woman from the Mm. San Francisco suburbs in a mansion tell her that Mm -hmm. she's selling out and go on with all that crap to the husband about not selling out? I know. And Cece never, ever pretended that she was an artist who wanted Mm -hmm. to, you know, do high art. She always wanted to be a performer, which is art, you know, but... She always wanted to be a big, rich star. Yeah. And, and good for her. And also, the Otto Titzling song is really entertaining. It's really funny. So get stuffed, you uptight <laughs> asshole, Philip Hillary. De Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> Later that night, while. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm so sorry, dear listener. Don't. That'll be the last <laughs> so one. <laughs> So as we move on, the pink flamingo scene, which is possibly my favourite scene in the entire film, is them coming together again. So what yeah, happens? That's what we heard at the start. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> You're reciting my it. recite, my recitation of it. Um, so what happens is um, Hillary finds Hillary becomes incredible. She becomes a housewife. So she's yeah. this extraordinarily capable, intelligent, passionate woman who's had all has had to bury all of that inside marriage and become a housewife who doesn't even have a child yet. So she has nothing to to put her well, energies and intellect into. As Michael said, we couldn't have two lawyers in the family. Someone had to do the entertaining. Oh. It's so waspy. Oh. I never I, I just I did not get how waspy this is. So waspy. And then mm. of course in great wasp tradition he has an affair with his secretary yes, or something of and she walks in and she's like that's my robe yes 
<laughs> Which again, a very Protestant reaction to your husband having an affair <laughs> rather than going off your brain. Yeah. Um, so so Hillary is now alone. She's pregnant. The husband doesn't want to have anything to do with her or the baby because he's marrying the secretary or whoever it was that he was banging. She kind of deserves it though, I think, because I think she's an a-hole. No. Okay, all right. I mean, she oh. is, yeah, but <laughs> she doesn't know. deserve she just, that. She just left herself. You know, then she finds out from Aunt Vesta, who interestingly, if we could have a sidebar, um, the this um, movie is based on a book by Iris Rayner Dart, and mm-hmm. um, the Aunt Vesta character is a much bigger character in the book. I had no idea that was Aunt Vesta in that scene. I just assumed it was one of the house. Yeah, no, staff. I think it's meant to be Aunt Vesta, but then Aunt oh. Vesta's. A little in a little bit later and a bit better dressed. So yeah, she's not well dressed in that. No, scene. she looks like she's the maid or something. But yeah, I think it's that's actually who, that's who I thought it was. I think it's meant to be Aunt Vesta. Right. In the book, I think it's Aunt yes. Vesta that gives her the information. So Hillary goes down to the Pink Flamingo where um, Bette Midler. It's this tiny little bar that Bette Midler's performing in. Uh, SCC Bloom. <laughs> Just so the same. Now you're doing. Yeah, it. they're the same <laughs> character. I mean, really. Yeah. And um, and. She her career has fallen apart. Hillary goes to say, "Don't worry, I've forgiven you for whatever it was that." Oh. Went, oh, and you just oh. Kim, did you want to do you want to punch her uptight face when she says that? Yes. <laughs> whatever it was, I forgive, I you. forgive you. Yeah. Oh, and Bet is just again. Cece Bloom, the emotionally intelligent one, mm. is like, "Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for forgiving me, but I don't." forgive you you know it's Mm. it's so fantastic anyway this is where they come together again it's a great moment of honesty they finally they finally have it out properly the thing i love about this film is neither of their lives operate well without the other one in them yeah so if they don't have each other things don't go well so we've seen hill um cc's marriage and her career have all fallen apart while hillary hasn't been in her life hillary's marriage her career is all fallen apart they come back together Hillary's pregnant and we have this beautiful, um, I love this part of the movie. And I was surprised, yeah. Kim, this is where I started getting teary. Really? Yeah, because the f- these two women coming together to um, nurture this pregnancy mm-hmm. is absolutely beautiful. And what a beautiful way it would be actually for many of us. Don't you think yeah. like yeah. women in pregnancy together is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we go through all of that. Um, and CC starts to entertain what life could be like outside show business. And she gets involved with a doctor, a doctor. I can't <laughs> believe I'm marrying a doctor. And it's so, so uh, wonderful. I mean, I don't even know if that little side plot with the doctor, warrants. you know, warrants mentioning, but what happens ultimately is that CC gets, CC's career gets another chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes back to New York to um, be in a play and they're still friends they uh, she breaks up with the doc uh she and hillary remain friends and she's back for the birth of the baby and they're as close as they ever were mm-hmm. but not living together in each other's lives as much this time and cc's career soars she becomes bet midler ultimately yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and hillary raises her um her beautiful little girl victoria, victoria. Who is just a kind of a carbon copy of her? Yes, yeah, she is. The, I used to live across the road from a girl who looked just like Victoria. Wow! When I was a little girl, she was my friend, <laughs> Diane. <laughs> so, of course, we know what happens. Um, famously, 
Hillary gets diagnosed with viral cardiomyopathy and she dies. And Bette Midler slash CC Bloom um, takes Victoria to raise her. And that's the end of the this movie. Is, this is such a beautiful time, though, in the movie. And where it starts to get me is after she's been diagnosed and she um, does the 1980s equivalent of Dr. Googling, which is going to the Mm. library to research viral cardiomyopathy, and she realises she's going to die. She's not going to survive this. And so you can see that she starts to put plans into place for Hillary, I mean for for Cece to become Victoria's guardian. And so they spend the summer together, the three of them, at the Summer Beach House and Cece and Victoria become really close and, and there's this beautiful moment before she really goes downhill but she's mm-hmm. still very sick. This is a nice spot to talk about the importance of music in this film. Mm. So when Hillary is researching the cardiomyopathy, which I think mm-hmm. anybody who's seen this movie just remembers that you, that that's what she died. Or did you not? Well, I used, I used to think that she... <laughs> I used to think that she had cardiovirus because she said I caught a virus to her daughter. That's right, in your heart. I thought cardiovirus in your heart. (laughs) (laughs) So when she goes to, oh, incidentally, as a side note to this too, I have a friend that uh, had viral cardiomyopathy about two years ago. Really? And Hillary would survive today. My friend is still alive. Like it's, it's, and, and is living with it very, very well. Like, Wow. There, there are all these drugs for it. Well, the heart's so much, so well researched. Yeah, and, so yeah. Hillary would live now. Um, just want to say about music, though. So when she's going into uh, when she's going into research, Bette Midler is in a recording studio, finally singing the music that she wants to. We've heard that before, you know, that, that uh, mm, Hillary has encouraged yes. her to sing the music that she wants to. And she's yes. singing a cover of a Randy Newman song called I Think It's Going to Rain Today, which is just, it's so perfect for the mm. moment. And it's sort of the music of this film, although it's probably put in because Bette Midler and, of course, you want to get all the bang for your buck, it yeah. really tells the story the entire way through, right mm. through until the end when she's singing The Glory of Love. And we've had her at the beginning as a child singing it, not getting a set, not getting the words at all. And by the time she's singing it at the end, she understands what the glory of love is yes. and what love is. And, and Hillary has been that love for her. You know, and now it's going to be... Uh, Victoria, but it's just very beautiful. It's just beautiful. The music is so sensational, don't you think? Oh, I completely agree. And I think it's also, again, you know, is do you think this is a smart movie with sappy moments and sappy marketing, or do you think this is a sappy movie that's occasionally smart? Oh, that's such a good question. I don't. I'm not going to say it's a sappy movie that's occasionally smart because I think it's smart the whole way through. Like, yeah, I agree. Like Wind Beneath My Wings, that's the ultimate sappy song, don't you think? Don't you think that if if you want to make someone cringe, you would sing Wind Beneath My Wings to them? <laughs> it has that reputation. <laughs> you want to make them feel bad about themselves as well, don't <laughs> yes. you think? Like thanks very much for always sitting back and being underneath yeah, yeah, me yeah. and, you know. Yeah. Like, thanks for letting me I was, yeah, I was thanks for, Yeah, I was the one with all the glory while you yeah. were the one with all the what? what is it? Well, you were the one with all the strength. Oh, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> See? <laughs> it got you yeah. fired up. Yeah, yeah. But th- I just think this movie is so much more than than Wind Beneath My Wings and the tearjerker ending, and mm. I really think that it's a misunderstood movie. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of that's got to do with the fact that we just don't take women and women's stories mm. seriously. Like, in, I mean, I think it's no no surprise that generations of women have been in love with this film. I found this great excerpt from a piece that I read in the Daily Beast about it mm. from Tim Teeman where he says, you'll love this, Kim, a few years back the 92nd Street Y in New York had the ingenious idea of having a Beaches cry along. The idea, (laughs) (laughs) the idea, as the title suggests, was that they'd screen the 1988 movie for its most dedicated fans who know that Beaches is not just a weepy but, in fact, even if you have a heart of stone, a film that leaves any human catatonically blubbing beside themselves, Mm -hmm. wailing, done, etc. Typically this breakdown occurs in private whether on TCM or whoever screens it. But for many, the cry along was the first chance to blub en masse in the safest of spaces. And we did. When a male voice, someone's partner presumably, piped up with, how long does this go on for it? Shit. He was so angrily rounded upon, the collective hissing sounded like a bag of snakes suddenly upended. (laughs) Oh, my God, that is brilliant. It is brilliant, isn't it? But, you know, to the film's brilliance and the screenplay like it just it sets up so many things along the way like even her singing under the boardwalk and them going into under the boardwalk and the Mm. meeting under the boardwalk it might seem Mm. like it's but it's it's done with such a deft hand that you don't feel like you're being bashed over the head the whole time like I think there's one there's one moment that doesn't ring true for me in the entire film and as I was listening to a podcast the other day, I think every great film, it was a uh, sentimental garbage, said every yep. great film deserves, it can have one shitty moment. <laughs> the moment is when um, they get back to, when Hillary and, and Cece meet for the first time as adults and they get back to the house and Cece's shown Hillary the house and then Hillary starts crying and she says, mm. well, I know it's not, you know, Buckingham Palace, whatever she says, I can't believe I yep. can't remember the line, she says. It just doesn't ring true. That's the only bit in the whole film, I think, that and that could be an acting, bad acting choice on Barbara Hershey's part. And partly it's also that she doesn't follow through on any of that, any of the reasons that she came to New York. She yeah. sort of leaves know, them all behind. All of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I read a couple of reviews from the time mm-hmm. that were pretty nasty about it. There was Roger Ebert. I was just going to say, were they by men or by women? Well, this one was by Roger Ebert, mm-hmm. and so it doesn't surprise me. But I don't think that he, he wasn't I don't a... think he does enough to back up his criticisms, right, okay. to be honest. So maybe the problem is with the flashbacks. Maybe if the whole story had simply been told from the beginning to end, it would have felt less like one of those 1950s tearjerkers with the rain blowing in through the window and getting the curtains all wet. But Beaches begins on a note of impending doom and that colours everything else with an undertone of bittersweet poignancy. And believe me, there is only so much bittersweet poignancy I can take in any one movie. But you know what? I think the fact that Bette Midler... And everybody around her, Barbara Hershey's not this character, but she's so funny. And there's so much, like Gary Marshall, the director who we haven't mentioned yet, is a famed comedy director. He started Mm. out with Happy Days, you know, he's just, so there's, there's comedy throughout this. And I think that that buys us the sap. You know what I mean? Like, we're, because that's what life is like. Don't you think life is full of humor and of sap? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a really unfair review. Oh, where is it? There's a bit further in. He says, I have no doubt the people who made this film approached it with great sincerity and that there were long conversations about what CC would do and how Hillary would 
act in such a situation. But Beaches lacks the spontaneity of life. This is a movie completely constructed out of other movies, out of cliches and archetypes. Mm, that were old before most of the cast members were born. Oof. It is difficult for a filmgoer of reasonable intelligence to care about characters whose lives are reenactments of cliches. Oof. If these people are as smart as they think, why can't they see their lives are a bad B movie? Maybe in a strange way, one of the problems is Midler herself. What the f- <laughs> <laughs> She gets so much crap in she reviews does, for she? her movies because she's so – I never know whether, like – like she pretty much is the same character in everything that she's ever in, in some yeah. varied way. Like yeah. she's pl- always playing Bette Midler, mm. but like this is what Tom Cruise is always playing Tom Cruise. Yeah. Why is it so unacceptable? Is it because she's not like traditionally a movie star in looks? Is it because she's so? Because you know we're we're kind. She's she. She kind of harks back to those leading women of the 30s and 40s, you know, that mm. she's got um, a lot of chutzpah and she's – oh, that's another thing this film does is teach us basically how to speak Yiddish. Yes. Um, is, um, you know, I wonder if that's if that's part of it, if that, you know, during – if you think about the the women of women of 80s and sort of 90s film, this, this falls in the 80s, mm. they're kind of like – beautiful aerobics kind of um i mean i I feel like shelly long was about the most charismatic of all of them like she's sort of cute and ditzy like we didn't really see these women who like bet midler is i mean cc bloom is a character who knows what she wants from the very beginning and she goes through whatever she can Mm. she's like singularly focused on achieving and i wonder if like people just don't like that in women they still don't really like that in women maybe Mm. you know what do you think it has to say about female friendship i think it shows that female friendships can survive ups and downs i guess because we do communicate we talk to each other i don't know that i'm i don't think i've ever been as patient a friend as cc was i don't think i've ever turned on somebody the way that hillary did but I definitely abandon friendships that get sort of too hard for me. I think I don't have like a lifelong best friend mm-hmm. because, you know, the friendships I had in my early years just kind of actually I, I didn't I didn't feel like I didn't I didn't continue them. And it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. them, it was me who didn't continue them. But would you think, do you think that that has maybe got something to do with having three sisters? Like Cece Bloom and Hillary didn't have any siblings. They didn't have anybody yeah. else in the world yeah. except for each other. And so I'm not sure that, um, I, I feel like that informs this. Like when you're one of four girls, as you are, as part of the Blesters, mm. that's definitely going to tip your female friendships into different places. That's true. How about you? What do you think it says about friendship? Look, I had thought when we went to go in to watch this now, I had had this idea in my head for the last few years that it wasn't an accurate portrayal of female friendship, that they were never good friends to each other. That was how Mm. I'd had it in my head and that it was like a a blokey view of what female friendship is, that we fight over men and then, you know, that kind of thing. But watching it now and also with this critical lens because I knew Mm. we would talk about what it said about female friendship, I think it's a really profound look at 
how in actual fact your female friends are there for you totally when the going gets rough. Yeah. You know, and will basically like wipe your bum when you've got <laughs> cardiomyopathy. Or will, yeah. you know, like will and, and it really um it really heartened me because as a you know, I'm forty one and I'm single and the older I get, the more I feel like the great loves of my life are my female friends. And yeah, yeah at, 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 and I don't, you know, I, I really, so so the bits that really got me in the film this time were about that. They weren't about the illness and things they were about. I mean, I have one, I have a, like my official best friend. Uh, we've been really close friends since we were 19. So nearly, mm. you know, just over 20 years. And We've been through lots of stuff like this. We've been through lots of fights and and push each, you know, have stayed in each other's life and have and we'll be there till the end. I know it, you yeah. know. So I, I kind of that's what I love about it, and I think it is a really good reflection of that. But on the flip side, none of that friendship would have survived without CC Bloom's persistence. Well, do you know what I think happens in the second half? Every, you know, we were talking about how that pink flamingo scene is a turning point and mm. Hillary finally admits that she was jealous. And after that, she becomes a lot more yeah. willing to speak her mind with mm. Cece. She's mm. no longer holding back mm-hmm. on what she's thinking. And I think that that, that waspy breeding that she sort of, that always stopped her from saying what she was mm. thinking to Cece meant that she kept it in and it seethed and brewed until it yeah. turned into cruelty. And then it came out as this awful, cruel treatment um, mm. when they were together in New York. And then once they moved on from that, they got past that and they did have a few more tiffs, um, but Hillary was much more um, willing to speak up during those tiffs. Mm. And then they worked it out straight away. Yeah. And it was such growth in the friendship. Mm. Yeah, it really was. I mean, yeah. it's it's just it's such a beautiful film. Kim, is it a feminist film? There are some feminist moments in it, but then there are some deeply unfeminist moments as well, like when um Cece is and the doctor, the the obstetrician are courting and she says, Oh, I don't know, I'd really like to um, you know, give it all up. And he's saying, so you're saying, do you remember the line? Basically he says, so you're saying you would give up show business to be a wife and a mother? And she says, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She means it for about 30 (laughs) seconds. She believes it. But why should she have to? Do you know what? I kind of get that a little bit in not in so much a context of giving up your whole life. Yeah. But I feel like when you have been single for ever and she hasn't been really but if you if you're working you like the uh, thing that I can relate it to Kim and I think I've told you this before that when I once went I was really depressed and I went into um, a, a mental health hospital clinic mm-hmm. for, for three weeks a month and it was like one of the best three weeks slash months of my life because I was taken care of you yeah. know what I mean I didn't have to do anything for myself and I loved it so I kind of like like some t- there's something in me that thinks, oh, my God, like what if I met somebody where I didn't have to work again? Do you know um, what I mean? Like I, I could if I wanted to, but I didn't have to. There yeah. would be something, and this is very unfembot of me, and when I think of, and I don't, thank God I'll never get the choice for this to happen, um, but there would be something in me that would go, 
Oh, yeah, that would be pretty nice to be supported for a bit. Yeah, but what you're not realising is that there's a whole other different type of work that you have to do that is not fulfilling. No, like (laughs) being a doctor, a doctor. I can't believe I'm Being a doctor's wife but also, you know, even just like I'm very happily married so, you know, don't read into any this in any way but sometimes being a wife is, you know, (laughs) exhausting. Sometimes being a husband is probably exhausting. Like there is an element of work in keeping a marriage going that is so much less fun than making podcasts, which is what I do for a living, (laughs) (laughs) you know. And you're not going to be living. even just cleaning up after kids or, you know, cleaning up after each other or, you know, yeah. I think that there's there's giving up your career Mm -hmm. to be supported financially, but that doesn't mean that you're supported emotionally emotionally or domestically or in all the other sort of elements yeah. that make up the life. No, I, I do not want that, Kim. I need to say yeah. for the record. But um, <laughs> on the, but I do get where she was at after working hard her yeah. whole life. Also, it's the eighties as well, and and that and was what was expected of women. She's in the midst of like chemical courtship as well. You oh. know, her her brain is like full of endorphins <laughs> and oxytocin. And, and I think one of the greatest lines of the entire film comes after she dumps that dude. Yeah. And Hillary, of course, is letting him down. She doesn't even have the guts yes. to do it to his face. <laughs> and he says, but just yesterday she was saying she wanted to be a nurse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and just like the, the writer knows the character so well. The smile on Hillary's yeah, face is just wonderful. the best reaction. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It's so of, yeah. of knowing and it's so – I look, I think this is a feminist film, Kim. Yeah. Because here we have two women that have completely forged out their own lives independent of men. The only yeah. thing that I think makes it less a feminist film is that they squabble over a bloke. I would have loved it if they squabbled over something else, like if they had a mm. – if, the, if the fork in their – like, you know, they get really close. There's this brilliant scene between Cece and her mother at the beach where mm. um, Cece says to Leona, you know, that she's breaking up with her husband because he stopped paying attention to her. I would have liked their their um, their split somehow to have been about something to do with them rather than a bloke. But, yeah. I mean, it works. It's it's still, I mean, yeah. it, it, it works and it's also, it's 1988. It's yeah. directed by a man. <laughs> you know, like there's so much that's good about it considering yeah. those things, you know. Totally. Do you want to hear something interesting that I read? This is um, a quote from the screenwriter. Yeah. Is it Mary Agnes, Agnes, Mary Agnes Donahue? Donahue? Yep. It does appeal profoundly to teenage girls. It did at the time when it first came out, along with everybody else, it appealed to them. It's still happening. I meet all these young girls who Mm. see it and they just get together and they buy it Mm. and they play it over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) I am surprised that it lasted so long, but I think it really captures the nature of friendship. I think it's so important, especially when you're a teenager. It does get that. It's that love that you share Mm. with a best friend. And then it accumulates history over time. You can't replace that. That's mm. a profound relationship. Oh, that's beautiful. How do you, yeah. like when you think of, so we are textbook, those teenage girls, you and I. Yes. We both watch this movie over and over as teenage girls. What do you think the appeal was? I don't think I ever understood it that deeply, mm-hmm. you know, but maybe there was something about it that 
drew me in. I always thought the appeal was the big cry at the end, you know, like mm-hmm. the big. I used to love a good tearjerker when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. I was a pretty broody young teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know that I ever fully understood that it was about this amazing friendship mm-hmm. in the way that I now totally understand that. Mm. What do you think the appeal was for you? Well, on a superficial level, I just wanted to be Bette Midler. Yeah. So I watched over I wanted to be a star. You know what I mean? I wanted mm. to be a singer and a star. So I thought that that was going to be my life trajectory. So that was that was the superficial thing. But also when I look back on it now and I think about female friendships, when we're at the age that we were watching it, so, you know, if you think of 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, at really unless – you know, for a girl like me who didn't have boyfriends and things like that, I wanted them. I mean, I just mm. didn't. <laughs> no one like, no one liked little chubby, pimply girls with mm. big, big brassy mouths. Um, the um, <laughs> my female friendships were were my romances in a way, and I think that when you're a teenage mm. girl, teen um, friendships are very, very yeah. intense. But also there's a safety to them because they're not for the or for the majority or not not for the majority but certainly for me they're not they weren't sexual they weren't yep. um, so they're sort of like this kind of safe space in a way so I guess watching that play out again and again was was quite wonderful but also the drama like this is a drama everything that happens in it is dramatic like. Just even when Leona comes into it and she's like, mm. when she goes to drink some water and she's like, get out of here. What are you, a camel? You know, that sort of thing. Like to the, <laughs> like everything about it is big and huge and brassy yeah. and camp. And yeah. as a little girl in a small country town, I was very attracted to that level of camp and excitement. So I think that yeah. that's why it was. But I was wondering, like, why would teenage girls be interested in a story that is essentially really about middle-aged women? isn't it? I know. Yeah. It's the film is so clever at capturing them very young to begin with. So we think yeah. it's all of our stories. That's what it. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's when did going. you read the book? When did you first read the book? Oh, I think I read the book when I was about 13 or 14 right. because at the same time uh, around, so I was still a teenager when the sequel I'll be there came out. There's a sequel yeah, there's a oh, sequ- to the book. Yeah. To the book. Um, so there's a sequel to the book called I'll be there, which is all about, CC's really fractious relationship with the child that is Victoria, Victoria. in the movie, but she's Nina in the she's called ah. the, and, and also Hillary is called Bertie in the book. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so so right. it's um yeah. So it's all about the fractious relationship between CC and Nina, and Nina goes mm. off the rails and all this kind of stuff. And Aunt Vesta's also a big part of that one too. Um, and yeah, so I think I read the book around the same time. I've still got them both. At my parents' wow. house somewhere. Yeah. The book, I can't remember the book being like life-changing, but it's definitely, like I feel like she wrote it knowing that Bette Midler would be. <laughs> Apparently she wrote it, I, I read. Um, she had worked on the Cher and Sunny show. Did you read I that? I read that too, so yes. Sort of so she wrote it with Cher, Cher in mind. Yeah. yeah. Who would have been amazing in this as well. Totally. Totally, yeah. totally. Um, so, yeah, it was just, I just know that this film was a, a huge part of my life growing mm. up. And probably it doesn't continue to be as much. But I was just even thinking the other day how much a part of it it is in our lives. Like so my sister and I constantly quote from it without even realizing. Like I noticed when Hillary's riding her horse and um and writing a letter, 
Can I just say, (laughs) before you finish that thought, that letter writing montage, they write and read their letters in the weirdest places, don't you think? Yes. Like, so, yeah. she's sitting on a horse in a competition yeah. <laughs> reading a letter. <laughs> and, of course, it would be boring if they were just sitting at desks but, writing letters. Yeah, but it's also it's also a way of moving the story along. Yeah, it like, is. it's so it is. cleverly done. Yeah. Um, when she's sitting on the horse, right, and the, the horsewoman goes, come on, Hillary, let's go. My sister and I still say that to each other. <laughs> really? Come on, Hillary, let's go. And yeah. just in that same reflection, you know, inflection, just on the letter writing. So the letter writing is always a company. This is how brilliant this movie is. And this is why I don't think we can, we can say it's a – we've got to say it's a smart movie with some sappy moments as yeah. opposed to the other way around. Because um, Gary Marshall does such an amazing job with the music. So the 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 letter writing is always done to the friendship theme, which is the themes. Um, we first hear that in Atlantic City when they're getting their photos done. It's the sound mm. of the carousel behind them plays that tune. Really, I only oh, noticed that clever. today. You know, yeah. it's just so it's so brilliant. The whole film is brilliant, and it deserves its place in our collective yeah. memory. I think. Do you want three little bits of trivia to wind up on, Mel? Oh, yes, please, Kim. Okay. So, is it Gary Marshall's voice as the casting director, Broadway casting director? Is it? I'm sure it is. I'm sure. Okay. In He he never appears on screen. Uh-huh. Um, when she sings Glory of Love again, it's the first audition. Um, oh, it's the one where, hey, set off, yes. set off. Okay. Yeah, okay. Next little bit of trivia relates yeah. to him. Yeah. He is the elevator guy in Pretty Woman. <gasps> he is. You're so clever, Kim. Yes. Well done. Good trivia. <laughs> and what's the I, yeah. <laughs> um, third little bit of trivia is the car rental agent who I was listening to thinking, God, he sounds like Andrew McCarthy or someone. He's Gary Marshall's son, Scott <gasps> Marshall. I've got another one for you. Yeah. I just one more. Is it about Hector Elizondo? No. Because I was thinking while you're Googling that, I was thinking to myself at the start of the movie, oh, I wonder if this is going to be a Gary Marshall movie that doesn't have Hector Elizondo in it. I totally forgot he's the marriage celebrant in that hilarious marriage scene between Cece and John. Oh, well done. Well done. Well, I've got a bit of um, trivia for you Mm -hmm. as well. So in the makeup scene... At the end of the makeup scene when Hillary, she's like, can I help you with something? She goes, no, 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 thank you. You know, after they've had their fight. When they had the big fight yeah. in the makeup. So yeah, the, the actress there store. is Tracy Reiner, who mm-hmm. is Gary Marshall's niece, uh-huh. who is Betty Spaghetti in A League of Their Own, which is Penny Marshall, <laughs> Gary Marshall's <laughs> sister's movie. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and she's the, and Betty Spaghetti is the character that if we ever do In A League of Their Own as a weepy, which is, you know, com see, com sa. I don't know whether it is or not, but it's Betty Spaghetti story that makes you that cry makes you it. weepy yeah i haven't seen that one since i was a kid but it, it is on my sister's top three list of <gasps> yeah we- weepies of, of just you know most valuable movies of all time we'll rewatch it for this kim this has been wonderful has been i've had a great time shall we do this again sure we're friends aren't we <laughs> <laughs> Um, Please like and subscribe to Weepies if you've enjoyed what is happening. Over the next few um, months and weeks and months, we're going to be looking at movies that make us cry. Let us know what makes you cry. We're going to get some guests along. Let us know if if there's anybody you'd like to hear from, who you'd like to hear from, you know, what their favourite weepy is. I'd like to know what George Clooney's top weepy is. Do you reckon he'd come on? Oh, yeah, we can try. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'd be much more interested to know what. 
Amal's favourite weepy is. Yeah, I reckon it, it, it would it would be something like Sophie's Choice, don't you think? It would be something oh, like... Oh, maybe. Something not that, without my daughter. Yeah, not without... <laughs> something that caused her to go into human rights law. <laughs> yes. All right, so you can hit us up on Twitter with your favourite weepies. I'm at Kim Lester. I'm at Melanie Tate. It has been lovely chatting with you about weepies, Kim. And until next time. Bye.